3, and if you can hold one other place, John chapter 2. John chapter 2, Genesis chapter 3, John chapter 2. Um, wasn't it nice to worship with just the guys up here? They kind of, that was done on purpose. They gave the ladies a day off, and, uh, and I was watching Wednesday night. I just encourage you, if you want to be blessed, uh, uh, I was watching the Wednesday night praise service that Calvary Fort Lauderdale did this past week. And I went there for a few years, and um, I had just had a chance to be down there and meet with some of their staff, and we talked about things we can do missions-wise with them in maybe 2016. But they had the most amazing praise service this past Wednesday night that I had ever seen at Calvary Fort Lauderdale. I don't know how many years. They're 30-some 30, 30 years been there. Uh, but Doug, Pastor Doug reminded one thing that I thought of as we were worshiping this morning. And it reminded me when I got saved, when me and my wife got saved, I'm going to give my testimony on a Sunday message coming up in June because I will have been saved 20 years this coming June. And so I'll, I'll be giving a special testimony message. I'll tie it in with, with a study. But um, I was reminded that uh, when we walked into Calvary Fort Lauderdale unsaved in 1990. Three was probably the first time we walked in there, and back and forth we'd go and between 93 and 94, convicted, leave, convicted, leave, convicted, leave, not get saved, leave. But finally, the one thing that really kind of impressed upon us that Doug mentioned, uh, he said a man came up to him recently and said, you know, I came to one of your worship services on a Wednesday night, and I had never seen people worship like that. I had never seen them actually mean it, the peace, the joy, the hands raised. And what I remember when my wife went there, we had never seen like that. We knew there was something different about these people, and we had never experienced that, even after having gone to church early in our life and seen religion. And I remind you, as you worship here, as Tawan team lead, you're not only worshiping the Lord, but your worship might just bring someone to Jesus. I had, I had forgotten that. You ever forget something? you need to be reminded of. And so uh, even this morning as we were worshiping, it was such a blessing. Uh, so uh, I hope that if you get a chance, just go out to their website, look up this past Wednesday nights, watch it. It's an hour and five minutes, and you'll have tears coming down your face, and you'll say, wow, I want to watch that again. Uh, you'll enjoy it. Genesis chapter 3 and John chapter 2. One verse in Genesis chapter 3. We don't have much to read here. A short passage. Single verse, Genesis 3, verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Genesis 3, 20. Now turn with me to John chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 we'll read. Another mother that's very well known with a kid like none other. John chapter 1, verses, starting with verse 1. And on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, you hope your kids don't say this, right? Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Let's pray. Father, we ask again for the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our midst 
These are words that you wrote, Genesis to Revelation. And Lord, we want to hear from you. Uh, Lord, that you would encourage and strengthen the moms that are here, but not just the moms, those of us that are here to be a blessing to these moms, both as husbands, fathers, children, grandchildren. Lord, we pray that collectively uh, you would minister and, Lord, knit us together more perfectly into the work you've called us to. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the history of the world, there have never been any other mothers like Eve and Mary. In the entire history of the world, there's never been two moms like those two mothers. They each had a motherhood that nobody could relate to. Do you understand that? Nobody could relate to their motherhood. Many young women down through the ages have grown up not knowing their mother. Sad. We see it again when we go into to visit the youth that are incarcerated. Many of them didn't, their moms, they haven't known them. Maybe they were gone from the time they were children. It's not the norm, but it certainly happens more than we'd like, doesn't it? Maybe someone here, you, you were raised and never even knew your mom. Some never knew their mother because she died while giving birth. This was really common uh, for a couple thousand years. A lot of times this would take place. Or perhaps maybe uh, your mother passed away very young. But Eve, she had no earthly mother. Her mom didn't pass away. She had no earthly mother. Her mother hadn't died or hadn't been taken away in some other manner. She was created by God from Adam, her husband. When she gave birth to her first and second sons, she not only lacked an earthly mother, there were no mothers to learn from, none to ask tips, none to compare notes, none to validate a concern or an observation she might have had. Is this the croup, right? That kind of thing. There were no books, no manuals, no magazines, no ladies' groups, no blogs, no CDs, no mom's morning out. Adam, what do you think? I'm not a mom, right? There was no Pinterest <laughs> for a thousand amazing ideas for every conceivable idea in ways you had never even thought about it or even thought about thinking it. No, Eve had to learn to be a mom with no mother of her own, no peer group, no examples to watch, no documented experiences to go by. Mary, well, her situation was every bit as unique, wouldn't you agree? Every bit as unique, and in some ways more unique than Eve's. She was a young mom that got the news she would be a mom in a way that will never again be duplicated. She's the only mother that had a perfect child. Sorry, stage moms and all the others that might think, no, she's the only one that had a perfect child. And her child came down by God from the Holy Spirit. She'd gone to have other children, but she was the only mother to ever raise a perfect child along with not-so-perfect children. She had the weight of being a mother in caring for and watching over the Savior of the entire world. Quite a job, huh? 
These two moms, think about it. I mean, we can just hear their names, but think about it. These two moms were hand-picked by God. Their names in our Bible, but they were really hand-picked by God and designed and created by God for the unique places and time that they would occupy. But guess what? So are you. If you're a mom, or you'll someday be a mom, you someday aspire to be a mom, the same will be true of you. God is the one that's ordained, or will ordain, you to be a mom, who your children will be, how many you'll have, the exact role and influence that you'll play in their life, or have already played in their life. And understand that although Eve and Mary were highly unique in some ways, and clearly they were, in other ways they weren't unique. Eventually, there were other moms. For Eve, it was her own daughters and granddaughters that would be the other moms. They would all be from her. She's the mother. All of us are sons and daughters of Eve in that respect. But she eventually would have her own daughters and granddaughters that would be the moms around her. It would be part of that community. Mary, living there in ancient Galilee, certainly lived and interacted with other Galilean moms. And no doubt she learned from other moms. We know that she learned from Elizabeth, her own relative, and went and spent time with her. And what a good role model and mentor she would have been. But their lives as mothers, much like Sarah, the wife of Abraham, who the New Testament says, whose daughters you are, uh, they're representative. That makes sense? That they're representative of the role of moms. Representative that there are aspects of life. There are, there's the giving of birth. There's the nurturing. There's the parenting that are specific, not just to Eve and Mary, but to all moms. Those things all moms have in common. Now, God could have done everything. Think about this. God could have done everything he wanted through Adam and Joseph, couldn't he? There's no limitations to God. He could have done every single thing through Adam and Joseph. I, I wouldn't like this, but even the, you ever seen the movie Twins? Remember that one? When Arnold Schwarzenegger gets pregnant, you know? It's really weird to even consider, but uh, yeah, God could do that. I'm glad he didn't. He could do everything through those two men, he, but he didn't. He raised up Eve and Mary. He raised them up as mothers to fulfill his purpose. You know, a wise person, a wise person believes these two things. Lots of other things, but these two for this morning. One, they believe, a wise person believes that God knows what he's doing. A wise person believes God knows what he's doing. Secondly, a wise person believes that they can't do everything. It's a good place to be when you realize, I can't do it all. As a pastor, I've come to learn this over the years. I can't do it all. As a mom, you certainly have come to realize, I think, in some areas, I can't do it all. Kids, you've got to help wash these dishes too. Somebody's got to pitch in. But God knows what he's doing, and we can't do it all. I think if we could speak to Adam or Joseph, 
the husbands of both these two unique mothers, I think they would both be the first to say, thank God he gave us wives and mothers and their specific role. Because we couldn't have been as effective in our role if they weren't doing what God had called them to do. See, knowing and appreciating our place and the place of others is invaluable. Knowing and appreciating our place and the place of others, it's invaluable. If you're taking notes this morning, I've titled our time in the Word this morning, Mothers Irreplaceable by Design. We'll look at three things this morning. The calling, the seasons, and the promises. The calling, the seasons, and the promises. This calling, it's important to remember that motherhood is a calling. Uh, you know, if you, if, you don't believe in, if you don't believe in God and you don't believe in the Bible, and let's say you're atheist or you're just kind of non-religious and you just kind of think we all evolved and just popped onto the scene, then maybe you wouldn't see it as a calling, Right? It's just, some, uh, it's just some scientific random chance that mothers appeared on the scene. But we know that God has created it. God's designed it. God first called you ladies to be women. Sometimes I ask my wife, ever, just for fun, I say, you wish you were a man? We got all the advantages. I'll, I'll rattle off. She goes, no. With, no matter how many things you rattle off, I would never want to be you. Not me specifically. <laughs> but God's called you first to be women. Uh, then to carry a child or children. And I, I know that some women will never have children, and, that, and that's a difficult thing as well. But uh, if the Lord calls you to be a mom, that part will come with it. Then comes the giving of birth. And then to instruct the children how to live. And most importantly, in this calling, again... If it's a calling, the most important part, to instruct them and lead them to Christ. Why? Because you're preparing them for eternity. Life is very short. Even children become grandparents very fast. And so that calling is, yes, giving birth, nurturing, raising, all that stuff, but it's always, most importantly, to funnel them to the feet of Jesus. Because eternity hits all of us. Life brief. I want us to look at six aspects of motherhood related to this special calling. Six, six things if you're taking notes. The first one is the physical impact. You're like, oh, I know about that one. The physical impact. Eve was the first to experience this part of a mother's calling. As part of the curse, there would be pain in childbearing. Before I was married, before I was a dad, I thought this spoke of just the delivery room experience. I've come to realize over the years that it's a lifetime of physical impact for mothers. Touches many other areas, biologically, emotionally. These genes don't fit anymore, right? Why is my face swollen in month five or whatever it is? I remember all these things. And there's, still, and there's still more of them over time. It's just 
part of the calling that God says, you're going to have to absorb these things that are not real fun. They're not real easy. There's a physical impact. And dad said, well, I I gained 10 pounds during the pregnancy too, eating ice cream with her or whatever it was. That's a different physical impact. There's number two, prayer and intercession. So the physical part's going to be there. It's going to be that uh, impact on the body. Prayer and intercession, though, is something you can't, you can't avoid the physical impact, but you can choose to either pray or not pray. But if you answer it as a calling, you enter into prayer as a mother. And granted, there's many unsaved moms around the world, this isn't part of their life because they have not, first they haven't come to the Lord, and they wouldn't see it as a calling. They see it as a job. The job is I drive minivan from point A to point B. But the calling sees it differently. I suffer the physical impact because it's a calling. I enter into a life of prayer because it's a calling. Dads are called to pray, of course. We'll get to Father's Day later. That's next month. But moms are called to pray too. And many moms are very faithful in this calling. The prayers of many a mom has brought their children to the Lord or back to the Lord. So many moms prayed for their children even before their children were conceived. The prayers even before they had children. Those of you that are young married and you can already be praying because if God bless you with motherhood, you're, you're already investing in the calling by learning to pray in advance. Eve prayed for a godly son that would replace Abel when she went through the very difficult time of losing a son. And God gave her a godly son. She prayed in advance, and God gave her Seth. I thank God for those moms that cover their kids in prayer. You saw all those kids, how precious they are. They need prayers to cover them, don't they? They're cute when they're little. They get a little older, and all kinds of other influences come in. The prayers are the hedge around them. It's part of that calling that God has given to moms. Dr. Tony Evans said, if you have a mom, there is nowhere you are likely to go that a prayer hasn't already been. Oh, that that were always the case. Mothers are called to pray over protection, pray over needs, pray over struggles, prayers of blessings. Pray for your kids to be blessed, blessed spiritually, blessed physically, blessed that they would someday have a godly spouse. Pray already for that stuff. Hey, now moms do. Dad's like, I'm supposed to be praying for that 10 years early? I talk to men, it's funny. They don't think about these details. But moms a lot of times do. It's in them in the calling. They're good for spurring their husbands and uh, and the fathers to do these things as well. I love hearing the prayers of mom. They pray over all the details. Dads pray general prayers like this. Pray for the world. (laughs) I covered it all. God's at time out. You can learn a lot from mothers, men, that God wants us to pray more detailed prayers than I just prayed for all the United States in one second. <laughs> Moms are like praying, I pray for this, and I pray for this, and, I'm like, and things I hadn't thought of either. But that's good. It's answering that call. But moms, even if you have a prayer life, keep growing in it because it's a calling. Number three, providing training. The first one was physical impact. Number two, prayer and intercession. Number three, providing training. 
Moms, you may not be able to provide all the material possessions and things in the world that your kids say they need or other people tell you they need or television commercials tell you they need, but you can provide them something a lot more valuable. You can provide a daily helping of wisdom from God. And what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, Mary, isn't it interesting? She's Jesus' mother and a follower of Christ. She, you know what she taught everyone there? Whatever he says, do it. If that isn't one of the greatest motherly lessons in all of Scripture, I don't know what is. If every mom could learn, all I learned from Mary is this. Whatever Jesus says, do it. What a great lesson. Mary preached a message in just a couple of seconds. If every mom could tell their kids, whatever Jesus says, do it, you're on the right track of training them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Instead, we have a world that says, whatever you want to do, do it. And this is the big, if, if America had parents that cared like this, more moms that had prayer, more moms that believed it was a calling, more moms that said, whatever Jesus says, do it, we would be in a lot better place, wouldn't we? But we have a lot of moms that say, hey, feels good to you. I don't, I don't care what, you got a brain? Does, does it feel right? Does it, you think it's right? But, but you can't tell your kids what to do if you don't know what Jesus says to do. So you also have to know what Jesus says to do to tell someone what he says to do. But you can have that daily helping Continually giving words of wealth, words of value, words of counsel and instruction. Proverbs 31, 26 says, She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. You've got to teach people to be kind. Because no one's now. You ever seen the toddlers downstairs? Check them out. They don't know how to be kind necessarily. It's got to be taught. It's got to be trained. Number four, preparing constantly. Yeah, moms know that word constantly, don't they? Constantly. Different homes have different designations and balance of things. I, I never like to give formulas because every house is a little bit different. People have different work schedules. Some dads like to do things. I mean, they truly do like to do things that other dads. Some moms like to cut the grass. That doesn't happen in our house, but some moms like to cut the grass. <laughs> but she does a lot of things incredibly well that I don't like to do and can't do anyway. And so every house is different. But whether it's, I mean, my wife does an incredible job preparing through the week, meals, groceries, all that kind of stuff. I have my stuff, she has hers. But this part of the calling is you have to prepare. You have to make preparation. You have to say, this is a plan for the week, for the month, for the year. Just like, you know, in, you know, you've seen these studies that show, you know, if you totaled up the value of all that a mom does in a day, it's like $100,000 a year or something like that. Because there's a lot of effort, a lot of preparation. And it's important that you continue to do it. 
It's part of that calling. No one feels like, no one feels like doing all the things that are on the work task list, but why do you do them? Because you know they're required. In preparation, you know, moms are called when they, when they have a prayer life, when they're training, they say, you know what, I'm preparing for the family. Why? So the family has an oasis, a place to grow. Understanding the role, teaching the kids how to prepare. This next one is very connected to constantly prepara- uh, preparing, is perseverance and stability. Perseverance and stability. Number five on your list. When children see perseverance in spite of fatigue, in spite of difficult days, because everyone has them and moms for sure, in spite of two appliances breaking down in the same week, some of you ever had that? I've had the same day, that kind of thing. In spite of dad being laid off for two months, we've had that happen in our church several times. We've had people that have gone through that. Or everyone in the house is sick. That's always a fun one. Mom's mom's perseverance in those times. Her words often mean more in those times. The words, her perseverance versus the things she's taught. The perseverance in those times is more valuable at that time than all the Bible studies and all the teaching. Because now it's tangible. Now the things that were taught are lived out persevering. It's easy to be kind when everyone's being kind. Not easy to be kind when no one's real happy, when things aren't going well. There's the mental drain, right? It takes its toll. But with a prayer life and understanding the calling, we persevere through the mental drain through what? The power of the Holy Spirit power of the Holy Spirit. It's not us physically. We can't manufacture a renewing of our spirit and soul. That comes from the Lord. Kids, sometimes, you know, it's great, Mom, sometimes kids recognize all that work you're doing. They recognize the fatigue. You saw some of them in the video. Let me show you. You'll like this. Um, here's a great letter, a kid that did recognize these things. I'll read it to you. It says, Dear Mom, I love you. I'm sorry my feet are following you around and messing up the house. I'm sorry when I'm mean. I love you very much. If I had the money, I would buy you a lot of cars. Right here. Another baby. Right here. A new bush. Right here. A tiger. Right here. And a treadmill. Right here. See, sometimes they recognize that your life is fatiguing. And they want to get you a tiger and some cars <laughs> to make it all better. Other times, they're not so appreciative. Mom, I'm going to run away tomorrow at 9.30 when you and Dad are steeping. Be sure to say goodbye forever. Emily, P.S., I will be packing tonight. (laughs) Sometimes they don't recognize how much you've done for them. But you've got to persevere anyway. 
you got to keep moving forward, don't you? When people appreciate it, when they don't appreciate it, when they say thank you, when they don't say thank you, when they seem to understand what you're going through, when they don't understand, guess who understands what you're going through? The Lord. And he's the one that persevered. Do you think people, do you think people understood Jesus, what he was going through? No. And he gives us his same spirit. We've got to keep moving forward, even when we're tired. And moms, you get that way, and your strength... David said, where does my strength come from? My strength and help comes from who? The Lord. Lift up his eyes to the hills. Shakespeare said, fatigue makes cowards of us all. Vince Lombardi used to like to say that too. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. When when the drain comes, we start to shrink back from our calling. It happens to pastors. happens to dads. happens to moms. But it happens a lot to moms because... The calling is very, very diverse. There's a, lot of th- there's a lot of pieces of that puzzle. And even if one area is breaking down a lot, that can actually drain the whole rest of it. And you have to go back to the Lord and be refilled to persevere, to con- continue moving forward. As it's well said, it's always too soon to quit. Because Satan will never quit coming after your kids and family, and we can't quit staying in the Lord, and moving forward. Pastor Chuck Swindoll said, Mothers, it's worth it. It's worth every hour of it. It's worth every sleepless night of it. It's worth every moment of counsel. And it's still worth it, isn't it? Last one, peace and purpose. Um, when, When a mom engages in the calling of understanding, hey, the physical toll on my body over the years, my calling to pray, my calling to provide training, my calling to prepare, my calling to persevere. Um, When we embrace and say, Lord, this is what you've called me to be and who you've called called me to be. If, If Eve didn't embrace who God, if Mary didn't embrace who God had called her to be, it'd be ten times harder. But then there's a peace when you realize, hey, These things don't catch God by surprise. These things that have happened in my life aren't a surprise, Lord. I can have peace and rest knowing he takes us through storms, not around them. The disciples had to find this out twice on the Sea of Galilee where they thought, if you can control the weather, we wouldn't go through storms. But they found that Jesus, sound asleep on the boat, walking on water, he was teaching them that peace comes through storms, not around them. And there's a peace and navigating through life and knowing that, hey, in this calling, sometimes will be tough, sometimes won't be, but I still continue to pray and wait on the Lord and be refilled and renewed. You know, Hannah, before she ever had Samuel, and she struggled with not having children at all. But then when she had Samuel, she found peace knowing, interestingly enough, she found peace knowing that Samuel really wasn't for her but she was there as a mom to present him to the Lord, to give him to the Lord. Even though that would seem like a loss, she knew that her calling was to raise a son to give to the Lord that would bless all of the nation of Israel. Can you imagine if God uses your kids' moms to bless the whole world? There's moms that 
didn't do this, and their kids have harmed the whole world. But there's a peace in knowing that, hey, in this calling, God will do great things through the hand that rocks the cradle. Amen? Next thing, the seasons. We looked at the, um, the calling, the seasons. Ecclesiastes 3.1, you know this passage, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. And there are those seasons that we, moms and everyone else, there's those seasons we have no control over. Can be loss, death, heartache in a family, age and health issues. You can only do so much. You can't control all those things. Even if you exercise like crazy and eat perfect, all of those things, there's some things you can't control. And these storms and seasons, they're allowed by the Lord. Uh, Psalm 119.71, that's a great verse to know. David writes, it is good for me that I have been afflicted to learn your statutes. Boy, that's not an easy prayer to pray sometimes, but it's a powerful prayer to pray. It is good for me that I've been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. You know, I've learned a lot more through failure than I have through success. How about you? And some seasons when you did it all wrong, not trying to do it wrong. You're trying to do the best you could, and you still did it wrong. God still teaches you a lot through those seasons. You'll learn more. Everyone says this. Athletic coaches say it. Business people will tell you. Anyone in any, anyone's ever been through life says, I learned a lot more when I fell and skinned my knees. And so those seasons will happen when you've got to get buffeted. You learn a lot. You know, new moms feel like I'm doing everything wrong. Somehow you come through it, right? No one was there at four in the morning. And the Lord lets you learn. Those seasons are important. The difficult ones as well as just the learning ones. But there are also those seasons that reflect the transitions of life. Because life in the 20s is not the same as life in the 40s. is not the same as life in the 60s or 80s. I'm not there. Some of you can attest to this. But I try and pick people's brain a lot. They're a lot older than me. I even pick the brain of people younger than me to better understand the seasons of life. Each season of life, I mentioned being a brand new mom. Then you have gone from being a brand new mom to a young mom. A little more confidence, right? Then you have an experienced mom. Yeah, we didn't even give them a pacifier, right? We didn't mess with that stuff. Did you go to the postpartum class and all that stuff? Yeah, that, don't learn anything there. Sorry if you're signed up for that this week or something. <laughs> you're going to love it. It's going to be the best thing you've ever done. You have the super experienced mom, and she's, she's now further along, perhaps 30 plus years of being a mom. More experience, more maturity. Doesn't get like weirded out or freaking out about things that the, the mom in the middle or even the, the really young mom does. Sin there, been there, done that kind of stuff. And then you have all the way moving to grandmothers and even great-grandmothers and a season there and maybe the roles that, that God has them play because they're still moms. But understanding and recognizing and taking full advantage of those seasons. You know what I said? Taking advantage of those seasons. You don't want to miss what God has for 
you in those seasons. And a lot of people, are so, they miss a season they're in. And I'm not, I'm not talking about one that's a trial. I'm talking about just the normal season of life. They miss the blessings of that season because they're looking at that season or that season. They're looking backwards at former seasons or looking forward to some future season, and they're missing the season they're in. We have four seasons. I know some of you hate winter. My wife's one of them. But you still can enjoy it. You can still turn on the fireplace, have the logs crackling. You, there's things you can enjoy in that season. Things you can enjoy in spring. Things you can enjoy in summer. Things you can enjoy in the fall. But they're all different, aren't they? And if you're always looking to the past season or the future season, you never get to enjoy the season you're actually in. And God wants moms to enjoy the season they're in and other moms to help moms learn to enjoy the season they're in. Each season, even if we're enjoying it, it's still preparation for the next. Proverbs chapter, 20, verse, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 25. We can learn something from ants, believe it or not. The ants are strong, are a people not strong, yet they prepare food in summer. Ants. I've been battling them at my house lately. They're brilliant, by the way. They know how to get in a crack. I can't find where they're coming. But, uh, but they're really smart because even though they are in one season, we're supposed to enjoy the season we're in, but we also, everything we do in this season helps us and benefits us if we prepare well for the next. Each season is preparing for the next. Don't waste the opportunity to be an impact in this one while already setting the stepping stones for the next. Now, I'm not saying longing for the next one. I'm saying enjoying the one while preparing for the other. By the time Mary, go back to Mary for a second, by the time Mary was at that wedding there in Cana with Jesus, she'd entered a new season and her life with her son. There was a new season of being a mother. And, and, per, and this season had started, no doubt, prior to that wedding, but she was in that season for some time. She was now there simply to support Jesus. That makes sense? She was down there to support and affirm his ministry. Other roles that she had as a mother had dropped off. Her role now was just to simply be there, support, point to him. She wasn't there now to go get him a drink of water or go do this or go do that. And by the way, moms, you want to raise your kids that they become men and they become women. That can stand on their own and you can stand beside them, but you're not having to be life for them. Jesus was standing completely on his own, had his own ministry I'm not comparing our life to Jesus. I'm comparing the mother aspect that seasons change. And she now was there to simply support Jesus. No one here will ever have a Jesus. But you, want to still you still want to raise mature men and women that know their calling. Jesus knew his calling, didn't he? But Mary also knew hers. And she, he's standing on his own, but she's there. And by the way, when you hear that, when you hear that passage, woman, <laughs> it's actually a term of respect. Uh, our English language doesn't translate it well. It's a term of respect. What Jesus is expressing, not just for Mary, really for anyone else that was there, is my ministry orders come from the Father. But notice one other thing. Even though the orders come from the Father, 
notice he still listens to the appeal of his mom, doesn't he? He actually does what she asks. See, if you ran out of wine in that period, it was anathema in those times. It was to, as if to say, if you hadn't properly prepared and you ran out of wine, it was to say that no one here values this wedding, thinks much of it, and everyone is really bored. And so she's coming because the heart of a mom cares for not only her own family situation, but cares for people around her, just like the Proverbs 31 woman. And she comes to Jesus because she knows he has a special calling, and she knows where to go. And moms, when you need something, you need to know where to go to. In those seasons, you go to the Lord. You go to Jesus as well. And Jesus understands her place as a mother, and he does listen to her call, or her request. And he answers it. He provides that miracle. It's actually his first miracle in his ministry. He listens to the, the plea, the wise plea of, her mother, of his mother. And Jesus cares for her, and he still cares for what he knows is wisdom on her part to step in and say, we need to do something to help save this situation. And Jesus is like, you're right. And moms, you want to teach your kids that they step in and help in times of need. And Jesus does. The enemy, though, he distracts us in seasons, doesn't he? He distracts people from the seasons they're in. And uh, I think what happens uh, with these seasons is that, you know, young moms, they, they're uh, worried about, will I make it through? Other ones are saying, you know, this is, uh, this is just a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But the Lord wants us to redirect our attention and say, hey, even in these seasons, your calling is clear. Your calling is to be a light and a witness, whether you're a young mom, whether you're a middle-aged mom, whether you're a grandmother, and on through life, all of these seasons of motherhood are an opportunity to be blessed to the Lord, but also be a blessing to those around you. Someday your daughters will be like sisters. Some of you are already in that season now where your daughters are already like sisters. Uh, some of you are already able to experience that that aspect of a season is a whole new uh, wonderful opportunity. You need to teach the moms that aren't in those seasons yet that those aren't, they're not so far off. Don't don't long for them. Try and enjoy the season that you have today. Enjoy the season that you're currently in. And um, uh, I forgot to write down whose book it was, but, um, uh, oh, it's Elizabeth George. Elizabeth George, in her book, uh, A Woman After a God's Own Heart, she says this. She goes, well, it finally happened. God is dealing with my telephone habits. This week, uh, I, I talked about not neglecting our children by double booking. With two little ones, on the, uh, two little ones uh, the phone has been to me uh, my lifeline to the adult world. Uh, but when I uh, realized the importance of my role as their mother and started to think about all the possibilities, things I could do with them to teach them, to play with them, to have a ball as a family, the phone lost its influence on my life. Now, this is written a little while back. Now it would be like the smartphone or the Internet or something like that. By juggling interruptions, uh, are, they're now handled in a different way, 
and I don't need to, I pretend I use the answer, I now use the answering, uh, answering message machine, and I don't have to play round the clock, follow up with all these things, and learning that that, that, that season of our life is to invest in the kids and enjoy it then, right? Not to be distracted with all the other things that are out there, all the other things that Satan tries to pull us away, pull us this direction, pull us this direction, pull us this direction. And the Lord says, I just want you to rest in your calling now and in this season. And you older moms, you can teach the other ones how to gracefully grow in those seasons, how to continue to learn in them. And, and, and by the way, I, I, that's why I have mentors in my life. Anyone that can save me some pain, I am listening. And I have people in my life that say, hey, you don't have to do it. You don't, you don't, I, I dealt with that. You don't have to. Here's how you avoid it. And then I'm more effective in the season I'm in. And I know that you moms want to be as well. Grandmothers, your experience is invaluable. Uh, it's invaluable to your daughters. It's invaluable to moms around you. Uh, those of you that are grandmothers, especially if what you're doing is for the Lord. If it's for the Lord, it'll be invaluable. Kids recognize the seasons of grandmothers too. Not sure if they always know how to uh, describe it, but this third grader gives it a try. This is for you grandmothers. Uh, this is a third grader. This James, James Dobson, this was in one of his books, um, What Wives Wish Their Husbands Knew. Uh, this third grader said, a grandmother is a lady who has no children of her own. She likes other people's little girls and boys. A grandfather is a man-grandmother. <laughs> Your grandfather's got one for you. He goes for walks with boys and talks about fishing and stuff like that. Grandmothers don't have anything to do except be there. They're old and they shouldn't play hard or run. It is enough if they drive us to the market where the pretend horse is and have a lot of dimes ready. Or if they take us on walks uh, and slow down past things like pretty leaves and caterpillars, they should never say, hurry up. Usually grandmothers are out of shape, but not too out of shape to tie your shoes. They wear glasses and funny underwear, and they can take their teeth and their gums out. Grandmothers don't have to be smart, only answer questions like, why isn't God married, and how come dogs chase cats? Grandmothers don't talk baby talk like visitors do because it is hard to understand. And when they read to us, they don't skip or mind if it is the same story again. Everyone should try to have a grandmother, especially if you don't have television, <laughs> because they are the only grown-ups with time. Listen to that last line. They're the only grown-ups with time. I read that and I was like, you know, the Lord uses that last little, that rest of it just funny, but the last one, the Lord's saying something, even through a child, to say, hold, time out. The rest of you can't enjoy the season you're in because you never have time. And adult moms and dads, it's pre-Father's Day. We have to adjust our priorities in life to have time, first for the Lord and then for training and praying investing in lives. Grandmothers shouldn't be the only ones with time. Lastly, closing the promises. These promises, just two, two promises. First one is this. Two promises to all the moms here. It's really to everybody. 
but I'm speaking to the moms specifically. First promise to all the moms, God will be there for you and he will love you like even the mother you may have never had. Because not everybody had a godly mom. You ever heard Greg Laurie's testimony? Mom was addicted to alcohol, addicted to drugs, multiple relationships. Not everybody's had a godly mom. Not everyone even had a mom. We saw Eve didn't have one. But God, Eve did have God, didn't she? Right? God will love you, first promise, like the mother you never had, like the one you wish you had, or the one you used to have if your mother's passed away. That's a promise that we can depend on. Amen? That God will love you moms from this life to the next life. And yes, it's true. God defines himself as a heavenly father. It's even the way Jesus said when we pray, our father, heart in heaven. It's true. God defines himself as a father. But, did you know, God also has maternal characteristics. We see them in the Old Testament. Not female, maternal. He's loving. He's tender. He's kind. He's protective. He's willing and able to express emotion. You know, Jesus wept. You will not find many men that are willing to do that. Why? Because they don't understand the full nature of God's character. But moms don't have to struggle with that. When they want to weep, they'll weep. In prayer, in laughter, men are like, you know, doing all this. But God has the characteristics, some of the characteristics that the women have come directly from God. They're maternal in nature. In fact, he imparts these attributes to mom. And as they grow in the Lord, they become more pure in their flow. Does that make sense? The, the, the natural gifts that God's given to mom, they become more pure as you're surrendered to the Lord. All those, they become more effective. Your emotions are used for God's glory, your tenderness for his glory. You know, it's not that you're soft as just, hey, you can pull anything over on her. No, it's soft when you need to be, firm when you need to be. But God gives these attributes. Jesus, remember when he looked over Jerusalem? He said, how I long to gather you as a mother hen gathers her chicks. You know, most guys would have said, as a roaring, ferocious bear, right? But Jesus says, I long to gather you as a mother hen. That does not sound macho. But God is exhibiting that part of his characteristics he has in his Godhead. Yes, he's Heavenly Father, but he has the same maternal love and compassion that he wants moms to exhibit in their life. So the first promise, God will be there for you. And he'll love you like the mother you may have never had, wished you had, or used to have. Number two, the second promise as we come to a close God will help you as a mother because you're still a mom now. You're still on the earth and you still need God's help. Only God could help Eve and Mary. Nobody else could relate to them in certain aspects. Only God could help them with the uncharted territory and yet you as moms need God's help and wisdom as much as those two representative moms. We think we don't need as much help as them, but we do. We need, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
We think he didn't mean that. We think, oh, he didn't mean nothing. No, he says, really, you need me. If you want to fulfill this calling as a mom, you need my help. If you abide in Christ, you'll flourish, and you'll impact not only your own family, but the world around you. Mary and Eve have impacted all of us for good. Amen? All of us. We've all benefited from their work as moms. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 2.14, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge at every place. I love, uh, I love a beautiful rose with bloom. And you get up and they smell, I mean the rose oil, you can just smell it so vivid. Oh, they're beautiful. And God wants you as moms to have that kind of display of the world. He really does. But I'll tell you something. As we, um, a couple days ago, We've got these rose bushes. And I'll just paint a picture for you. We've got these rose bushes that I, I have them in three places in the yard. And I went around them and I had forgotten to spray them. There was, I mean, I don't know what the bugs are and the fungus that were attacking them, but every leaf was holes all in it. There wasn't a single rose on the bushes. Not one on all three of the bushes. Not a single rose. The leaves were all like white and holes all in them. They looked like they were dead as a doornail, but they weren't. I went down to the stems, and, and they were, the, the plant was very much alive. So I went, and you're not supposed to apply it if it's higher than 90 degrees. So I said, yes, it's supposed to be not higher than 86 the next couple days. I sprayed everywhere I could, underneath the leaves, on top of the leaves. I drenched them. I kid you not, 24 hours later, roses were all over all the bushes. Every one of them. I even mentioned it to my wife. I said, you're not going to believe this. 24 hours later, and the Lord gave me a minute spiritual parallel. Moms, if you abide in the Lord, and you're getting your strength, and he's protecting you from the attacks and the diseases of this world and all the things that will attack the mind and the fatigue and what your calling is, if you will let him be the shield of protection, but you have to apply. Ephesians says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. But if we would apply those things, God says, you'll be a fragrance. You'll bloom everywhere you're at. And that's a promise from the Lord. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for the fact that you've given this gift of motherhood. And it's difficult, and it's hard, but yet it's a calling. And Lord, we know that you have given your strength. You've given your Holy Spirit to those that are here that know you as Lord and Savior. And Lord, I pray uh, even now, I pray for all the moms here that they would enjoy the season that they're in right now. Not looking back at previous seasons, not looking too forward to the next, but also at the same time while enjoying this one, preparing for the next, though not longing for the next. And Lord, that they would be even more blessed and more effective in the lives of their children, their grandchildren, their husbands, and everyone else that they meet. And Lord, that they'll be a mother to those that are motherless and be mentors in training to those that need it. And Lord, we just all need your help, for apart from you, we can do nothing. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.